Welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Sharad and DJ Juicy. Ooh. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? Yes, 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 party people, New York City and worldwide. It's your boy, DJ Sharad. And DJ Juicy, baby. What's going on, Sharad? Juicy. Sharad. What's happening? Kiai put. How you doing? <laughs> no Cindy. <laughs> no Cindy on the show, my friend. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. Keep it English. Got carried away. What's up? Everything is everything, man. Uh, you know, just... Uh, Another day in paradise, I guess. Yeah, you know what I was doing this morning? Tell me. I was going through uh, iTunes, where our Butter Chicken podcast is, mm-hmm. and I was just going through the old episodes, and I was telling myself how dope we are and how dope season one was. It's definitely uh, nice to see it come full circle and, and really just kind of just absorb it after the fact, I guess, right? Yeah, and for those of you listening who don't know what Butter Chicken podcast is or who are new to our show... The Butter Chicken Podcast is me and my brother, DJ Juicy, mm-hmm. telling the stories of impactful people doing some great things in culture and society. Absolutely, man. And I, I think last season, you know, we focused a lot on music, fashion, tech, uh, entrepreneurship. And one thing that was kind of lacking was journalism. I agree. And specifically South Asians who were doing amazing things in journalism i totally agree with you man in fact i think that uh it's safe to say now that we're journalists as well <laughs> right i don't know that's like a journalist who buys like itunes uh, who gets like serato and says like they're a dj <laughs> i guess we're not like fully certified <laughs> all right <laughs> i guess let me back the bus up we're not fully certified <laughs> but we're on our way right and and we uh we want to put out this good content for people to listen to and uh and kind of take in and and use that to just kind of analyze and maybe help mold the way they live their lives you know what's so cool about doing what we're doing because we've done music for so long Mm -hmm. that people are actually dming me they're hitting me up they're hitting me up on our email butterchickenpodcast at gmail.com and they're asking me how to get on the podcast and i literally will email back or someone from the team will email back and they'll say well Tell me about what you're doing. And, you know, once in a while, there'll be someone that emails me who I've never heard of or who we don't know who they are. But when I start doing my research on that person, there's some people doing amazing things out there. Absolutely, man. It's uh, you got to just just let the world know. And if, if we're your outlet, then so be it. You know, just don't be afraid to hit us up and, and kind of just reach out. And So we are journalists. We are. We are 100 percent journalists. Now you're certifying yourself. I mean, I've been certified Daisy for a long time, bro. <laughs> Ain't nobody more certified Daisy than me, DJ Sharad. OG, triple OG. Absolutely. So, you know, this season is a little different. There's some people uh, from the media space, all aspects. Um, but today, uh, we have a person in studio who is someone who I have a relationship for a really long time. I've, I've known our guest for over a decade. Wow. You actually DJed this guest wedding, and I we did. just you just kind of brought that back out. I did. It's, everything's coming full circle now, which is lovely. She is a wife, a mother, journalist, author, hustler, 
someone who's passionate AF. <laughs> do you know what AF means? I do. So can I say it? As, I mean, as f- she's passionate as f- she's an amazing human being. And she's been through a lot of trials and tribulations in her life, but she continues to push forward and she continues to do great things. And she's on her way to even doing more amazing things, which is cool because when I see someone that does some dope stuff, you're like, well, damn, maybe that's all that person has. But Mm -hmm. Rocky's not stopping. We have our super special guest of honor today in studio with us, Rocky Mirchandani. I mean, can you guys introduce me every day, <laughs> everywhere I go? I've Absolutely. never heard anything like this before. Oh my God. Welcome to the show. Thank you Thanks, for coming. guys. I'm so excited. You know what's funny? M- multiple people have told us that our intros are fire. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, I need this to happen on the regular for me in every room I walk into. We'll send you the audio file. Okay. You can just like that'll be your alarm in the morning. Perfect. <laughs> that's like the, that's what I need to set the day. You know? So we, we said mother. We said yes. wife. Journalist, author, hustler, which I didn't read anywhere. I made that one up. Yeah, no, I was like, I haven't written that, but I'm totally going to steal it. I'm Passionate AF. That's spot on. Spot on. That wasn't anywhere either. We figured that one out. And we said you're an amazing human being. Which no one has ever said before either, so here we are. Does Satya <laughs> say you're amazing? No, nah, not today. She did not. <laughs> Does Ugin say you're amazing? I mean... Not in not since the eight years we've been married. <laughs> Maybe that night, but after that. So thanks for coming to the Butter Chicken Podcast. I know you're really, really busy. You do a lot of different things. You got a lot on your plate. So we appreciate you um, taking out the time and kind of doing it on really short notice. I think you legitimately, we spoke like yesterday or the day before. We did. And I'm we made this happen. I can't believe you were like, oh, want to come in tomorrow? And then I can't believe I said yes. Normally you're like, I don't know, I gotta check my calendar. I was like, yep, mm, I want to be here. That's good. I love that, right? There's nothing Hollywood about you. No, I'm so into this. This is so awesome you guys are doing here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, and and we appreciate you, like I said. So give us a little bit, before we really dive into your career, because we're going to talk about that. Sure. Our aim is really to inspire the youth, is to tell the stories of people doing great things in culture and society. And before we can kind of get to that part and your career and all the accolades that you have and all the places that you've been and the things you continue to do tell us a little bit about your background where you're from um you know a little bit about your education and what got you to i think your first job at new york post yeah so uh born and raised in jersey i still live in jersey my husband's from northern california every day wakes up and is like why am i in new jersey (laughs) i mean but that's that's where i'm from that's my home that's my hood i'm like ride or die jersey uh, I went to college in Boston, which is basically like also like New Jersey because I went what to school? BU. Okay. And then everyone, I ended up going to college with like four people I went to high school with. It was actually kind of strange. Wow. But yeah, yeah. where I majored in journalism because that is the only job I have ever wanted in my whole life. Like I was a little girl, and all I wanted to be was a writer and a journalist. Wow. Um, went to college, graduated, and then I got hired actually right out of my classroom because 8 a.m. class, and I was like, I'm totally a front row sitter and like hand raiser, which will surprise nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was there in the front row, and this editor was there from the local paper in Boston, the Boston Herald, and I'd asked her like a million questions, and she did an internship that came available. She told my professor, like, oh, tell that girl from your class to apply. I did. She gave me a job, and I worked in tabloids until two years ago, New York City tabloids and Boston tabloids. That was the greatest education I ever had. That was the New York City Tabs, which was the New York Post and the Daily News. Because, I mean, you want to learn, you really want to learn how to hustle, or you really want to learn to listen to people and to 
to accurately tell their stories, fuck up a New Yorker story. Just fuck it up. You will never, ever do it again. Yeah. So that, to me, was like, I went to college in Boston, but I got my education running around the streets of New York, reporting on the stories of New York. Did, did the college in Boston help prep you for New York, or was it like two completely different worlds? I think that first job in Boston, like working in a newspaper, was the best education ever because you get there and you're just so unprepared for everything that's about to happen, right? I was like a 20-year-old girl. I was like, oh, it's going to be so amazing. I'm going to sit at a desk. We didn't have internet at our desks. We had wow. these like weird computers. This was not that long ago. I mean, I'm not like 9,000 years old. <laughs> and they were like, go cover this fire. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is the address. You go and you ask questions. I'm like, what kind of questions? They don't have time for you. You got to go. Right. Got to just figure it out. Figure it out. Okay. And that kind of like on the fly, figuring things out, problem solving, that's the real school. That's how you really understand how that business works, how to make relationships with people, how to get people to tell you things. How hard is that? Yeah, extracting information is It's really hard difficult. to yeah. get people to get real with you. Right. And when you, you know, and you go on to do interviews later, you get 20 minutes with people. Right. And you have to make all of that really matter, right? So you have to connect in an authentic way, deeply, fast. Right. And there's like a, an art to that. Right. Being gritty, I guess, on the street, just kind of the hustle and bustle really taught you more, I guess, than Absolutely. being in the classroom, that, right? And like sitting in that newsroom with all of those journalists who had been doing this and, and really listening to the way that they would talk to people on the phone and the kinds of questions they used to ask and the way they would introduce themselves was, it was the most incredible education for me. Interesting. And that was really the trick. It was like a lot of listening which is weird because I do a lot of talking also. <laughs> Someone told me that the best writers are also the best listeners. It's the truth. It's the absolute truth. Because to tell someone's story, you can go in with some questions, right? But they have to give you everything. So you have to really just say enough and connect enough to get them to open up and then listen. But that's, you meet someone that you love, like that you're so into, that you admire. And you are like, oh my God, I want to... What you want to do is open them up a little bit and get them to give you the wisdom. And then you shut up and you listen. Yo, I like this, Juicy. Me too. You know what I figured out? Tell me. I think we're journalists now. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm a DJ. I have Alexa. <laughs> 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 oh, so man. you went from Boston to coming to the New York Post. How did that happen? The New York Post is a gritty-ass newspaper. Oh, my God. It's my favorite. I've been up there, and I saw you up there. That's yeah, we had a fun. We had a we did a fun story with you guys. You guys were in a Super Bowl ad. Butter Chicken Podcast listeners know that <laughs> sometimes in our in our history um, in this game, we've been in the game so long that we sometimes forget of how much we've done. But over, I think, ten years ago, yeah, it had to have been. We had a record out. Uh, me and an uh, artist that I was working with at the time, uh, Nivla RVM and P. Oberoi, and we did a That's contest right. with Doritos, and you actually hit us up. Yeah, I mean, did, it's a great New York story. New Yorkers doing epic shit. Like, that's so, the perfect story. So, perfect. So, did someone actually tell you to hit us up, or did you just figure out that you remember, had to hit us up? I don't remember where I saw it, but I was like, I know him. And that, to me, is like, it's always so fun. We were talking about this yesterday, right? But, you know, when you're like, oh, if I only knew somebody. I mean, between everyone in this room, we know everybody. So if you combine that knowledge and you're like, oh, let me introduce you to so-and-so. Let me take advantage of this thing. The world gets so much smaller and so much doper. I, I think especially now because of social media, right? But back then there wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was just on the I rise. I saw it somewhere. I can't remember where. Yeah. And I just remember being like, well, I'll just call him. I mean, why wouldn't I? Friendster, maybe? 
<laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so that, that's actually something I want to ask you that I just thought of that you brought up. So you have to physically find out who you're interviewing, what you're going to talk about in your columns. Have you ever ran into a situation where you wanted to get someone, but you knew someone that had access? You asked that person, and that person flaked on you. It happens all the time. It still happens to me all the time, and it's kind of weird. Although now I I see it more as I don't know if people mean to flake necessarily. Mm. I feel like people ask one time and then you don't get back to them right away, and they're like, "Well, forget it." You got to be persistent as fuck. Mm. Ask a hundred times. I am shameless about it. I don't care. We we're we're very mindful. Like we think, like, are we are we overstepping? Like, do we do we stop? And no, never. Do they, stop. Are they not interested? So f- future journalists that are listening, or actually anyone who is a hustler, hmm. is it safe to say then that you're a go getter? I mean, go getter. I think is the, where you start. Wow, that's okay. where you start. But until someone tells you like no or leave me alone, why would you stop? Right. I think some people have this cool complex. Yeah, see, I was never cool. <laughs> I was never cool. I was always funny. I was always smart. I was, but I was never cool. So I, I didn't. Cool. I didn't have to carry around that baggage. Right. Facts. Right. You know what I mean? I was always nerdy. I like own it. I totally own it. So I, I wasn't worried about that at all. You want to say no to me? Go ahead. But no one ever does. Wow. Don't, and don't take it personally, right? Just, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, people. When people say no to you, is it? It's hardly personal. Yeah. Absolutely. Unless I'm petty, though. Unless it's my <laughs> wife. I'm the, I'm the Indian Tom Petty. <laughs> I'm petty. I don't take that shit lightly. Like, if you tell me, no, you fucked up. I'm blocking you. Oh I block my... people. No, you don't. I delete phone numbers. I Absolutely. I, I'm petty as fuck. Oh it's my it's funny. I, I thought the other day, I'm like, yo, like, if Sharad and I ever get into an argument or fight in the near future, I wonder if, <laughs> I wonder if he's going to unfollow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god is that You're... a thing that people do i do that <laughs> the... no you don't petty. i unfollow petty, yeah. i block if i really don't fuck with you because that's like breaking up with someone now that's this generation my that's friend hilarious i'll defriend you like what's crazy is someone really fuck with me so i blocked them on insta i blocked them on all my instas i have like four instas blocked them at company instas every insta this person was blocked <laughs> then i blocked them on facebook defriended them oof Blocked them on Twitter, basically blocked them everywhere, and then randomly, like this and this, I had blocked them like six, sure. eight months ago, and then randomly, I have Mixcloud. I have like no followership on Mixcloud. It's it's, a, it's I'm light on. That. Am I getting this for my DJ business? Is like a thing yeah, when you okay. when you put out your first make mix, sure. make sure you have Mixcloud. <laughs> but then I was like, yo, how is this person? That person, that motherfucker's following me on Mixcloud. Boom, block. block. <laughs> okay, now, now, what happens when you run into this person in real life? Yeah. Nah. Now what? Nah, people, you should know me, Juicy. Uh, I mean, I know you, bro. <laughs> nah, you we're look- not good. Wow. Yeah, I'm petty. Sherrod, Tom Petty. <laughs> <laughs> facts. Big, 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 big facts. But anyway, more about you. I'm into this, though. I feel like <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Absolutely. Juicy's not petty. I'm Juicy not petty. keeps it very, very cool. Yeah, yes. I'm like that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Life goes on. Yeah. I'll get over it. Like, that's the way I look at things. It's so true. And I think there's also <laughs> something, though, like in this whole persistent thing, people are like, oh, I really want to get a job at Google. I know these four people that work there. Did you reach out to them? Well, I feel weird about it. Don't feel weird. How do you think anyone gets anything? Yeah, absolutely. 
you make the connections and then you, you can't be afraid stalk to stalk them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as a writer, I feel like you're not just giving us journalism advice. You're giving us advice for anyone who's a hustler, which is I think it overpowers that. Like if you look at all the things you do, totally. like you being just about your business yeah. is numero uno for you. Yeah, and I think just if you feel like if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and it feels real to you and it feels good to you and you know that there are these people in the world who are going to be able to help you, get them on board, whatever it takes. I mean, why wouldn't you, you know? Absolutely. This, this book is a really interesting example, though, let me tell you, because I used to go straight. Wait, are for, you plugging your book? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> I get there, I get there. But... I used to go straight for Kathy Lee Gifford and Hoda Kotb, right? Today's show host. Amazing, ridiculous. You used like, to go straight for that? Yeah. When I was at the Daily News, I used to like help them write their column. And wow. I didn't know there was ghostwriters in that world. Yeah, and they're I thought it was a rap thing. They <laughs> That's sick. I don't is know. Is that I didn't even We're learning so much about our new businesses. This I didn't is know great. you had them in your <laughs> And they were incredible resources to me, incredible women. They're like they're and they're like girls girls. If they can help you, they're going to help you. And when I wrote this book, I was like, you know, I'm going to reach out to them for blurbs. And we've gone on to become great friends. I go on their shows. I know so many other people and, and actually advise me. We're like, oh, do you really want to ask them? Do you want to make the ask? Yeah, I want to make the ask. Absolutely. Why, Why wouldn't I? And and do you know what they said? Of course. Because that's how this, everybody, honestly, if you're in a position to help, you want to help. Right. And if you're in a position to be helped, just ask for it. I think a lot of people are afraid. It's... it's... It's beyond me. It's just, you know, I was never like that. I always, like, if I needed help or I needed something, I was just, it's time to go. A lot of people like the favor for a favor thing. That's another thing, too. Like, yeah. oh, I did something for you. Not so do you it did. for me. That's kind of hip-hop, too. That's very hip-hop. Like, that's how it works. And uh, What I've noticed yeah. being, I, I work, we work in the Daisy space, we work in the footwear space, yeah. we work in the hip-hop space, and I've felt like it's always like, if you do a favor, you better be ready like I mean, oh, if you give a favor, you better be ready to do do a favor for somebody else. It's just what I've seen. Listen, I'm always up for it. Like whatever people know that about me too. Like they, can you look at this for me? What about this? Can you make this connection? I will rarely say no. That's really why, nice of you. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you? You know. I think that shows your character. But like that favor for favor, then I'd be like, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so so you worked at the Post for a long time. Yeah, I worked then, at the Post for seven, about seven years. What, what years was that? Actually, I left right after the wedding, so 2010. And then you I went to the... I left the Post. This is so funny. I went back to Boston for like 18 months. So that first job that I had right out of college, they called me. I remember I had just come back from Fashion Week. It was like 10 p.m. at night. I was checking my voicemail. And they were like, oh, I know we haven't talked in a long time. But this new editor-in-chief wants to interview you for a job. I was like, wait, what? I don't want to move to Boston. I don't want to, I don't want a new job. But I never say no. So I took the call, I took the meeting, and I ended up, we ended up moving to Boston for 18 months. And it changed my whole life. Because I went from being a reporter and a writer and a columnist to being an editor. And it really it, what would have taken me, I don't know how much, you know, how many more years or how many more steps happened in a minute. Would you say that was a level up at that point? I mean, it was like three levels up. Truly, it could have, it would have taken so long for that to happen for me. Wow. Yeah, and it really changed the whole course of my career. Because after that, when I left Boston, I came back to the New York Daily News, and I was a managing editor. I was a managing editor at like, I don't know, I must have been thirty-three. Is that young for being to Very be a managing editor? Very young, and a young brown woman, like unheard of. Wow. Talk about it. 
It was, you, you know, I was, I, it, newspapers are really male space. Okay. They have been forever. Is that changing They're, now? Well, I think media is changing now. And I think the, the value of having diverse voices at those tables, not just in media, but at every table in this country, I mean, I don't think the value has been more clear. I think everyone understands the necessity for that, right? Mm. But in, in the media, it's really interesting because there's all these diversity and inclusion initiatives that have to happen that are happening now at these legacy brands. And why is that? I mean, when you consider the way stories are told and the way in which you see the world, it's totally colored by where you grew up, what your parents were like, how much money you had, what your education was like, all of those things. And your ability to take apart stories and see things for what they are comes from that. And storytelling is this incredible, it, it's incredibly democratic in a way. And I think that it's not only the way the business needs to go, but it's the way the world is going. Mm -hmm. The emphasis on those kinds of, on, 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 make, on hearing all the voices. Right. So that's definitely not just for, for my business, but for all businesses. What uh, hardships did you face being uh, brown, desi, South Asian, female as the senior editor? It's like, I can only... I mean, I don't know how much time y'all have, <laughs> but the amount of time, I mean, the names. Really? Even there? At like a place like the Daily News? It's not, It's and this is not specific to the Daily News, but okay. in, in jobs and like in, yes, at, at very senior jobs from Boston to New York. It's it's outrageous. The names, the emails that were sent and forwarded to me. And I think that it's, I understand that people, it takes a minute for them to, to see things in a new way, especially if they've been places for a long time. But I think the challenges of being a woman of color are different than any other. Mm. I think that people see you, um, they see you in a way that is totally colored by how, a lot of their prejudices and how they grew up. And until they really see you for who you are, it's really hard to, it's it's hard to have a good working relationship. Did you give it back to the people who? I mean, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see yes. that. Because <laughs> I have no patience for that shit. Right. I am really good at what I do. I'm an awesome colleague. I'm great to my team. And I'm really effective. So I have no time for that. Have you ever bitten your tongue? When you've wanted to say something because someone really just offended you, or were, were you just balls to the wall like, "Nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to this person"? It's because a lot of because I read something that uh, another female uh, DJ on on Hot 97 mm -hmm. had stated that there was so many times where just people dogged her because she was Latina or because totally. she was a woman, but she she kind of held it in because she didn't want to affect her job. Did that ever happen to you? It's it's interesting. So I. I'm really conscious and I'm really cautious because I think that being a woman and of a certain color and appearing angry can be really stressful for people. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole stereotype of like the angry brown woman, the angry black woman. It's a real thing. Yeah, it, It's how people can see you. And so it's not that I don't get angry. I certainly do. And I'm but I'm very careful about when to kind of when to unleash that. I think that there are times to bite your tongue, though. Because I think that there are small problems and big problems. I think there are battles and there are wars. And I am happy to let people feel like they're going to get this in the moment. Because 
I'm strategic as fuck. Like, I know exactly what I'm trying to get and where this business is going and what I need. So if you need to feel like this in this moment and I need to let you have that, that's okay. Because I promise you that I'm, I'm looking at the bigger picture. Can I pause you for a second yeah, right there? So for the listeners, Rocky's here dropping gems on gems. She's worked at some of the biggest media publications in New York and in the world. And what I just got out of that was like, your strategy sometimes just means shutting the fuck up. But how many times, like, just think about your life, think about your home life, think about your work life, where you know that it is going to be better, not in the moment, but in the hour, in the day, in the year, to just shut it down. I'm still trying to figure that just out, to be down. honest with you. Just shut it down. Petty people tend to talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, like, uh, and it's sad to say this, but, like, some people just aren't... Uh, I guess on your level and uh, understand or have the foresight to understand your vision. Um, so it's just better just to be like, okay, I, maybe you don't get it. So I'm not going to even waste my time telling you how I feel. I'm just going to move on. Yeah. And I think that that's exactly it. Juicy. I think there's something about knowing like what your roadmap is and where you're trying to go mm -hmm. and keeping focused on that. Like people are going to get in the way all the time at every step. Right. Right. But you know exactly where you're trying to go right. and where you're headed and how you need to get there. Right. So if you're not going to help me, then just get out of the way. You're not even a real roadblock. Just <laughs> I'm just jumping over you. That's it. Just get out of the way because I am, I feel very confident about those things. Right. And I'm incredibly confident also in the way that I treat people. I'm acutely aware of it because I think it matters so deeply. And I think that has to do with, Growing up Indian in the late 80s and early 90s, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough and it felt unfair and people were terrible. Right. And I think having experienced so much of that makes you much more gracious when you deal with people. I think you, you understand in a different way, you know, the effect that that has. Right. Like I can still remember things that happened 20 years ago and still feel pain for it. That's crazy. And I'm sure you can, too. Yeah. I, I watched a, a keynote that you um, gave. I think it was in Bergen County yeah. Independence Day. Yeah. And uh, in there, you, you stated something that I struggled to fit in. My name was weird. My legs were hairy. And my mom made me Indian lunches, like whatever. You were taking dal and yeah. Italy or whatever to school. Totally. And you were very embarrassed about it. And now... Fast forward, your daughter wears Jordans yep. with the bindi. All and, the time. And she takes Dal and Rice to lunch, like, loving it and just kind of embracing it to I the max. I got a note from her teacher last week that said how proud she was of her culture and how she liked to share it with her classmates. And she was wearing a Rocky, right? Because it was Raksha Bandha and I tied it on my brother. She's an only child, so we, we, my mom ties one for her. Mm-hmm. And she's enormously proud of it. And so she brought it to school. She told everyone about it. And the teacher was like, and she's offered for you to make 17 for all the children in school. Oh, wow. And it, I, I, I read the email and I, 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 I got really emotional over it because that is exactly the piece that I struggled with the most. I was two different people. I was rock, like Indian Rocky at home and then like quiet Rocky at school. And those were two totally different girls. Right. And here's this kid, not 30 years, whatever, 37 years later, and she struggles with none. Her struggles will be different, but she struggles with none of that. She does not have the struggle of identity yet, and I find that so 
not only is it fascinating, but to me it's like so liberating. Because if it only took that one generation, yeah. it's kind of amazing. So true. Now, do you think that's the case with all kids of South Asian background that are second generation now, or is it just... I don't think so. I mean, I think we live in a really inclusive place. You know, last year, our town elected the first mayor with a turban in the country. Like, our town is amazing. That's that Hoboken? Was... Hoboken, New Jersey. I mean, come on. Talk about it. Huge. It's an amazingly warm, beautiful sort of a place that embraces diversity at all of the levels. And it I think that I understand that that's special, right? I want but to move I, to Hoboken. I know. It's really, it's such a jewel. I love it so much. I will never leave. <laughs> Should we move there? You what? can move there. I, I would love to have you as my neighbors. <laughs> we play loud music. That's okay. And, and have trucks pull up to the driveway like all times of night with sound systems. <laughs> well, maybe not, not my neighbor, but... Um, in the neighborhood, though. In the neighborhood. On like How, how's the community like? Like, like, are they accepting of it? I mean, for the most part, or? it's exceptional. Yeah, it's exceptional. It, it really is so amazing, and I think that that story became like this amazing, this huge national story, right? It was the New York Times. It was everywhere. Which you know? story, Ravi? When Bala? Ravi got elected. Yeah, it was huge. I, it was huge. We were so proud. How could you not be right? And I think that that was these are the moments that we're having now, where we get to instead of having to like cultural tour guide ourselves and be like i'm indian this is what indian means but you just get to embrace the joys and the successes that are coming for our community and i love that because that's that's a success for the larger the whole community the country amazing i mean when, it's when people would think of hoboken they think of frank sinatra so exactly. And now, now it's I didn't know the that. birthplace I didn't know. of Frank I had no Sinatra. Idea, bro. I love that you know that. What you didn't the know? The birthplace. Two. It's like two. I feel over. like you two would be really good friends. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna be yeah. best friends. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> I did not know that. Dude. How? Why would I know that? Yeah. I know where Jay Jay Z was from Brooklyn. Sinatra, <laughs> I know that. Baseball, and elected the first mayor of the turban. That's America. And home of I'm the. So into it. And home of the author. That's it. Of a brand new book. Tell us about it. Oh my God, you do that so seamlessly. <laughs> I'm the Segway <laughs> King. The Segway King. That's why I'm such a good DJ. My segways are like. It's so good. Smooth. Yeah. This, so this new book is is great, and it it talks about I think a lot of this stuff. So it's called Super Satya Saves the Day. Who is Satya? Satya Let's talk about Satya is first. My baby girl, four and a half years old. This child is fire. Can you she, hold that book up in front oh, of the yeah. camera? I mean, this child is fire. Just straight up, hottest level fire you ever saw. <laughs> I've seen her gram. Like, I've seen your gram is basically her gram. Uh, yeah. I All I do is, like, post videos of her because she's bonkers. I let her watch the lemonade video, which I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. Don't take my daughter away. <laughs> and she, like, rolls around with this yellow wiffle ball bat and is, like, re- I was like, oh, my God, what has happened? But she's, she's such a delight, and she's so funny. And... We're obsessed with our local bookstore. We're lucky to live in a town, it's only one square mile, that has a bookstore. This bookstore is amazing, Little City Books. And we go there all the time. Who's we, you and her? Yeah, me and her. We're there all the time, right? You have a good day at school, okay, we get a book. You have a bad day, you get a book. It's your birthday, you get a book. Like, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And in the course of, we have, like, this massive library now at our house. And in the course of, like, buying all these children's books, I grew increasingly annoyed that there were so few books about brown girls. Like little brown girls that weren't telling you how much they love their hair or their skin color, that just were. 
that were little girls having great big adventures. I didn't know there were any books. Were there? Are there any? There are very few. And they're probably not available at the bookstore, right? So this bookstore does a really good job of kind of curating like a really nice diverse list of books. But the fact that like this, my kid dresses up like Wonder Woman like every day. Okay, (laughs) she rolls around town in her cape and like this weird costume, and it just is what it is. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, it'd be great to get some like superhero books. Zero. I could not wow. find one about a little girl who wanted to be a, who liked to be a superhero. You know how many books are about little girls who want to be princesses and this and that. And I was like, I. Had, so it bothered me. I didn't really think much of it. I we went along our life. I wrote this column for Elle about creating a feminist book list for your toddler. Pause for a second. You yeah. also work for Elle. Oh yeah. So I right I am now. like a parenting contributor. I write parenting columns for Elle. So. We're going to pause on the book for one quick second just to finish up. It was New York Post, Daily News, Dow Jones, specifically Money-ish. We'll get back to that. Baby and my favorite. Good. So we're going to get back to that. And then simultaneously, while working for the Dow Jones Money-ish site, you also work for Elle. Yeah. So I'm a freelancer. I write columns, parenting columns. Yo, you are a beast. (laughs) You got it. When you have like the. When you have those ideas and you just got to get it out, I don't know how to explain it, but you just need people. I mean, we're journalists, so we get it. Yeah, you get it. You get it. We're in the same business, so you totally understand. (laughs) It's like when I have a beat in my heart, you know, and then I just have to get it out. Um, But, you you know, so, and I think, like, parenting is also a space that, that feels like, do you see a lot of Indian women writing about mainstream parenting stuff? No. On Instagram, I do. Yeah, well. On Instagram, flooded with that. And but the baby's mama's page on Facebook. It's not about being an Indian mom. It's just about <laughs> being a working mom, right. a mom. Oh, right. oh, this is what the L, the L. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna start reading it. Can I read it too? Yeah. It? I sent you the links. You, I think you would like it. Okay, I'm gonna read it. I think you would like it. I'm gonna read that it's, column. It's unpacking like parenting stuff that happens all the time. So right? parenting hacks, if you will. Sort, but it's like. Not exactly hacks, because I haven't figured anything out. <laughs> I'm, I'm like hoping for the best with this one. It's just my only shot, but. You know, it's more so kind of understanding, like, this whole... It's a weird journey, isn't it, when you have a kid? All of a sudden, you have to be, like, this intense grown-up, and you have to, like, have answers to things that you never had answers to before. My kid looked me in the face yesterday, and she goes, you believe in religion? What? <laughs> and I was like, uh, what do you mean? What What's religion? She goes, I'm asking you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is so stressful. I said, "What? why did you hear... What? Where did the word religion come? She goes, well... Mommy G told me she doesn't believe in religion. Do you? So you have to be like ready on the fly for this, right? Catch you Do you always board. tell them the truth? I mostly tell her the truth. I mostly tell her the truth. We could have a whole podcast about parenting. Yeah, I mostly tell her the truth because I feel like it'll be hard to undo the lies. I agree. So I might as well just keep it real. Keeping it real is the way to go. That's it. Mommy, right? mommy is Santa real. Yeah, well, <laughs> she already knows that Santa's not real. She says, Santa comes down a chimney. We live in an apartment. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I'm glad. Don't tell anyone at school. Thanks, So bye. let's bring it back to the book, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll go back to Money-ish a little bit, because yeah. I didn't know that you were so attached to that. I love that. So tell us about the book. So you were going to Wait, these- Wait, so I'm telling you. So yeah. yeah, that's right. You're going to these bookstores, not seeing anything. And so I wrote this column for Elle, and during the course of all of that, it was, it became- I, I couldn't unthink the thought that there were no books that reflected the kind of girl that I had at home. And I just, I thought about it all the time, and it was incredibly frustrating. 
And so I wrote it. And I sat down and I would on the train, on, on the path train to work or at home, and I just wrote the story. And I wrote it only for her. I had no intention of doing anything with it. And I read it to her, and she kept asking for it. She kept asking for it. And after a couple of months, I, I was like, I don't know, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's pretty good. Because she keeps asking me for it. And she's a fearless critic, mm. especially of me. And I sent it to my agent, and we had we sold it in like a 48 hours, probably. Wow. So your agent, you already had an agent? like I had a literary agent, um, but I had never done a single thing for her because I was useless when it came to actually writing a book. I thought about it all the time. I would like write a little bit, and then I'd be like, I don't know, this is garbage, and then I never finished it. And I think what, what sparked the finish of this and the start of it, and it was so fast, was that I had an audience of one and a really specific need. I knew exactly why I was writing it. I wasn't, there was not a single doubt in my mind about why this book needed to be in the world. Mm. It needed to be in the world because there was not a single thing like it for my daughter. And I wasn't going to, I didn't want to be, I didn't want that to be the reality anymore. And so I made it for her. And fast forward a year, and we're gonna be in bookstores and Amazon and, and going on a national tour in less than two weeks. Unbelievable. Uh, the world is like a beautiful place. So not only does Satya dress like a superhero, yeah, but she happens to be a superhero as well. She is. Tell us a little bit about Satya's story. So she, uh, Satya was born early. She was a preemie. And I thought that was going to be the worst of it, right? She was tiny and kind of weird looking. And six months into her life, they said that she, they, the doctors thought that she had cancer. And it turned out she did have cancer. And we spent from six months to about a year doing all the things that you would expect and doctor's appointments and ultrasounds and surgeries and staying on the oncology floor and thinking that we wouldn't have a daughter to celebrate her first birthday. And we, we get there and she's, thanks to like amazing doctors and prayers and you name it, we did it. She was fine, she was cancer free. And we had a whole second chance to be a family. And I, I knew and my husband knew at that time that like we were not going to blow it. We were not going to blow the second chance we had. And so the things that we did from then on and the things that we believed in and the things that we championed, they had to be real and they had to be of great importance to us. Or, we, or it wasn't worth it. So we learned to say no. We learned how to say no to things we didn't want to do, to people we didn't want to see, to obligations. And we learned how to say no to that stuff. And we learned how to say yes. So living a life that meant something to us and that was going to be a light for other people. Not to get all super heavy, but it's amazing. that's what it was. And is, uh, so the, now the back to the book. Yeah. Is the, does any, is any of that included in there? Yeah, is, so as part of our book tour, we'll be going to bookstores, we'll be going to... Who's going on this tour? Like I'm who goes? mostly going, and then um, Satya and Agan will join me at a couple of places. Satya thinks that this is her book. <laughs> she, it is her book. It would take it's her one hundred percent her book, yeah, my as G. As I have told her, I was like, "You did not write it." <laughs> <laughs> you got to give her some credit. You know what Khaled does, right? No. You know who produced Khaled's newest album, right? No. His son, Asad Khaled. Oh my God, I just bought his 95 Jordan items. <laughs> oh, you did? Uh, For Satya? I was like, boom, 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 everything. Really? It, they're amazing. 
I mean, he designed the Masad. They're amazing. He's like one, two, whatever. He designed everything. He produced an album already. So oh Satya God. is the writer of well, that yeah. book. So I, we got her a stamp because she was like, how am I going to autograph the book? So oh, I was that's like, lit. oh, my word. You will not be doing this. But so she stamped all these index cards. It's wow. Like, yeah. So, so that you're, you're, you're building like, I mean, she could technically follow in your footsteps and really become. Oh, she will be. She could follow up everything you're doing. I hope what the universe has in store for her is so much more than what I than what I'm doing. I really do, because if anyone has the fire for it, it's that child. I mean, I just think about the way that she. I know that sounds like so corny, but I feel like she's been a real muse for me. I feel like my writing is so different now that I have her, because the world is different. The world feels different. The world feels more important. She inspires you. In 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 this like incredibly creative way. Would you say Satya is your biggest inspiration when it comes to writing in general? Uh, abs- bar none absolutely and I think it's so interesting and I think I've thought about it a lot because my writing is really different ever since I've had her and I think it's because the the weight of the words they matter so much more because not only do they shape the thoughts people have but she'll read them too one day and they'll shape her thoughts and I want to make sure that they're exactly right wow I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm speechless too. Let's this podcast is over. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> Interesting. So, like, Sharad, let me ask you now. Yeah. Uh, like, do your kids influence? Like, you you DJ with Sean, right? All the in, time. In the basement. All the time. Does oh like little God. tricks and things that he does, or you're trying to teach him? Does that influence you DJing on the whenever you you're out of events? Or I think ha- for me, having children just influenced the change in my lifestyle mm-hmm. in the sense that, like. Um, I get to the gig as late as I possibly can. I fly out of there as fast as I possibly can because, you know, back in the day, you'd go to a DJ gig, you know, party's over at 12, 1 o'clock, whatever. You're hanging out till 5. Why am I hanging out? Well, my wife's sleeping. I don't have to go home till 5, 6. That's when we wake up right. or whatever. But now it's like I got to get my ass home because Sean's going to be waking my ass up at 5 or 6 o'clock. So if I'm not up and alive and ready to go for him the next day, then I'm doing a disservice to my family and to my children. So for me, it kind of made me value similarly who I talk to, what I do, how I do things, how I maneuver, people I cut out, people I unfollow. Every Everything has to do with my children at this point. So right. it's like not only is it Sean, it's Sean and Naya now. Right. right? And Naya inspires me on a different level, and that's kind of something like that book. The book is going to be read to Naya first, right? Because it's about a girl, right? Right. So, having a baby girl is a completely different thing than having a baby boy. Having my baby boy, Sean, is like, he's my buddy. We hang out, right? But Naya, at this point, I'm her protector, right? So it's a little bit different. But she's like the rock of the whole family. So, yeah, I mean, my whole world has changed ever since children, and everything I touch now is. I feel like one day it'll affect like the art. That we're and of DJing, journalism, whatever we're doing, <laughs> the way it's affected you, right? I feel like that'll that'll happen. I mean, I don't have kids yet. So it I does. That's yeah. why I go so hard. That's why I'm hard on. That's why I'm hard on everything I touch. Like it's got to be successful because, like, I don't have time to do whack shit because everything that I stamp, my kids are gonna see it. My kids are gonna know about it. So if it's whack. They're going to look at me like, yo, daddy, that was whack mixtape you put out. <laughs> daddy, that guest you had was whack. 
Seriously. Yeah. Sean hears the music first. Right. That's so funny, isn't it? Yeah, we're we're pushing a record now for a friend of ours named Monique Khan called Big Facts. Oh yeah, I saw. And the first person when I got the record and I had it really early that heard it was Sean. Oh my goodness. And I was like, Sean, you like it? And he was like, Bob in his head. Just Bob in his head. <laughs> and the minute he got that head bob, I'm like, All right. That gets good. He likes it, but he doesn't understand the words yet. And now he sings it. There you go. Oh, my God. Now Crazy. he knows it. Crazy how kids change perspective. He said, Daddy's in the back cutting up some mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> For Sean. He changed the words, which is crazy. Cause right. He might That's be a hilarious. rapper. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But I think there's really something about sort of creating, right? Like, we're, we're in the business of creating, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. I love it. And exactly. And I think there's something about being inspired and as your life changes, the things that inspire you change, and it, and it changes the art. Hundred percent. And that's, it's exceptional because it should, the art should change, and it has to grow as you grow. And, and your mindset changes and as it well. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like I would, I would, I never set out to write a children's book. Right? right. I, I always thought that I would write a novel. That would be the first thing that I would write. You know, in, in the, and publish like in the book world. And it's so interesting. It's a children's book, but. This book, I think, is it's for Satya. There's no doubt that it's for Satya. And it's for all the, the little boys and little girls who look like the characters in this book. But I think in some ways this book is really for Ugin and for me too. Because when we were growing up, and I reading was always my thing. Like I said, I was like super nerdy. This was the thing that I loved the most to do. There were no books where the kids looked like us. And when Uggen saw it, he goes, I can't believe a guy who looks like me is on the cover of a book. And I think the book is for us, too. I thought that was Uggen. It is Uggen. Okay. But he couldn't believe it. <laughs> but he couldn't believe it. He said, I can't believe. In what world is a guy who looks like me on the cover of a book? I always thought I was a Bernstein bear. You know, exactly. <laughs> Brown. You, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that there's something... This one is, is really special for me. Super Satya Saves the Day. Super Satya Saves the Day. Where can it be found? Where can it be purchased? How can people acquire it? Yeah, so Super Satya Saves the Day is out on October 2nd. You can pre-order on Amazon now. You It'll be at bookstores. It's on Amazon. It'll be on barthbabies.com, which is my publisher. They're an amazing publisher. Um, but you'll be able to find it in all the places that you find books. We're really hoping that it takes off and that people really embrace the characters and they love Satya because I can see her, I can see her doing a lot of things. I can see her being a cartoon. I can see her, I can see her world becoming. See a web series. I can see it. I can see it. And that, I, I want it. You told me that on this book tour that you're doing the other day when I was on the phone with you, you said that. Uh, Queens holds a special place in your heart. Yeah. And you know, Juicy and I, you know, we're we're where we both live. Well, Juicy still lives in Queens. I oh, moved. Oh, you do. Forest Hills. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So yeah. I'll be at Q and Willow in Q Gardens. Plug. Yeah, but I'm. <laughs> Q Gardens. Hey. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. You, that's it. I'll, I'll send you the info. Send us. Yeah, me and my wife will stop by. Yeah. I I really wanted to book this bookstore um, because when my parents moved from India. They moved to Flushing. That was their first stop. And that's where they. my dad had spent the first few years before, when he first got to America. That's where my mom first landed when she got here. 
and where they lived before they moved to New Jersey. And I really wanted to book a bookstore in Queens because I wanted so badly to read this story in a bookstore in Queens and to be able to kind of like close that loop in my head that when they came here and everything was at stake and they had nothing, that they can fast forward 37 years and their daughter is reading a book where the main character is a small Indian girl who holds her own space in that very same country. Unreal. And when, when I booked that, I it was, it was one of the proudest, proudest things for me because I think being able, and, and I'm, closing loops is a thing for me, it's my own thing, but for me it feels like a really Im- important full circle moment for my family. For all of us, for a lot of us, because we're you know, right there with you. Everything was on the line when they came here. Right. They had nothing, and they knew no one. And now we have everything. And it's amazing. It is amazing what my parents built. And there's so many Satyas in Queens. That's it. Yeah. And there's so many Dina and Prakashas and Rockies and Uggins. <laughs> like, there's so, there's Preetis, so there's Preetis, too. You know? Piles. Pujas. There's so many Praveens. of us. And it, it feels... It just feels like that the kind of moment where you wish you could just kind of step back and you could have told them 37 years ago, like, we're going to get there. Mm. We're going to get there. It's going to be hard, but we're going to get there. And we're still going. This is just a new frontier that we're entering and kind of setting it up for our children to do even greater things, like you said. So is that like the homecoming stop? Is that like the big stop, Queens? It's it's a stop very dear to my heart. and it, honestly, like I, I tell, I'll tell you guys this, and I told my parents, but I don't think anyone will be. I don't think I'll ever be able to describe like how dear that stop is for me and why it's so dear. Because it's a beautiful bookstore, that's for sure. But I don't live in Queens. I've never lived in Queens. I've been to Queens in a long time. But that moment for me is going to be critical. But the the thing, the stops that I am really excited for is. We are going to be stopping um, at a bunch of hospitals wow. and, and reading this book to the kids on the oncology floors. And donors have bought the book so the kids can get the books for free uh, in the hospital. And our first our first stop will be um, at the hospital that my daughter was treated at, the same floor. Wow. And I, I can't wait for that because I know the hope that we needed when we were there. And I hope that we can bring some hope to others. That, like, there's, a, there's another side. You come out the other side. It's incredible. Super Satya saves the day. Title is very fitting. Extremely fitting. Um, back it up just a little bit. Um, yeah. Talk to our listeners about what you're currently doing outside of being an amazing mom, outside of writing children's books. What are you doing professionally at this point? So when I'm not DJing, <laughs> I, I run a site for Dow Jones called moneyish.com. Um, how did, now, how did that happen? Because you were at the Daily News, which is, well, like you Daily said, tabloid. News, which I loved. I loved working at the tabloids, like I, I, like I had said, because it's just there's like a grittiness and an excitement to it that you just can't recreate anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I had, as you guys have probably gathered, like I rarely will say no to meetings because you just, you just never know. I don't know. I love meeting new people and just like talking to them. Right. So <laughs> there was a, a guy that I knew who was, who was like a mentor to me. It was like, oh, Dow Jones are thinking about starting this site. Why don't you come in and talk to them? Like, okay. So I did. So again, it happened by chance. Similar totally to by going chance. to Boston and coming back. All of these totally are by like. Chance. I think it's all about just like keeping in contact with people you know, 
generally not being an asshole and doing good work. I like right? you said like, generally not being. I mean, sometimes you have to be. Right. But like for the most part, don't be. And so, <laughs> and they wanted to start this site around sort of millennials and money and women at work. And it was so exciting and I was so unprepared for it. And it's unlike anything I'd ever done, which is all the reasons why I said yes to it. And it has been one, it has been like the single most rewarding job that I've had because we built it from scratch. Earlier, you said that's your baby. That's my baby. I, I helped them make it, I built it, I named it. Moneyish. Moneyish. So I, you I've came up two with things, the name Satya and Moneyish. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> I I do a pretty good job, honestly. But <laughs> Satya means truth in Sanskrit, it does right? Mean truth, yeah. So you talk about money and truth. Aren't hey. <laughs> I but like that. Yeah. So that's that's our and our tagline for Moneyish is let's talk about money, because it is like this great taboo in our in society. But it's 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 a, a feminine driven site, yeah, correct? It's, it's really focused around women who hustle, women at work, and all of the things that go into that. Question. Mm -hmm. Do you have any free time? It's so hilarious. People ask me this all the time. I wake up at like 5.15 in the morning, and then I go until 10 p.m. Walk us through a 24-hour day with you. <laughs> Real quick, before it's we go. It's pretty frenetic. I wake up at 5 okay. o'clock-ish, 5.05. Um, I try and go to the gym like four days a week in the morning. Okay. Or I run in the morning. I get back. Get ready for work. Get set there ready. Um, I take like an hour or half an hour in between having to go to work and I write. Get to work. I write on the whole way on the train too. Get to work. Work the day. Uh, my husband usually picks her up. So I take another half an hour, 45 minutes at the end of the day to finish my writing. So I try and get in like 60 minutes of writing a day. Because okay. it's a... You have it's like you got to keep at it every day. Some days it's crap, but it doesn't matter. You just got to like keep going. Mm -hmm. I get home. We usually have dinner together every single night. I cook it all on Sundays, but we eat it together mostly every night. I heard you're vegetarian and you don't mess with butter chicken. No, I was very annoyed, <laughs> and I was like, well, if at least for today you could call it, you know, I don't know, butter tofu. <laughs> I don't even here either because it's disgusting. <laughs> um, Wow. It is. It's so gross. I don't understand it. I love paneer. Oh, don't you? My whole family does paneer. too. It so good Punjabi. I mean, you're married to Punjabi. Yeah. That's like. That's that's like a staple. It's so vile. I don't like it at all. <laughs> um, and then we usually like we do some dancing before bed. We have these like really quite epic dance parties, and then that's it. And then we start the day anew. So you sleep what five six hours? I try and sleep seven hours from ten to five. Well, ten is a pretty early bedtime. Yeah, Ugin is like most annoyed because <laughs> sometimes I'll be like, it's nine forty five. I have to go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but if you're gonna. If you are going to, like, ride like that all day, you have to get sleep. Yeah, you need sleep. It's important. And I have to work out, otherwise I'm crazy. I feel you. I got to, like, get the energy. These are words from a hustler, Mr. DJ Juicy. Hustler. Hustler. You guys work, like, crazy hours, too. We do, but we're not here to talk about us. Everyone knows us already on our podcast. This is the Butter Chicken Podcast. Chicken. Butter Chicken I'm Podcast. Start a butter Tofu Podcast. You can. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I'm gonna. Take we'll be the there thing. for you. We'll come. I, I I've I've had butter tofu. It's nasty. But anyway. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's nasty. Like it, I've I've made tofu? the butter chicken oh, gravy okay. and we've put to, uh, tofu and it's in gross? there. It's oh, whack. Tofu in general is whack. Unless it's fried I mean, and it's even sort then it's of whack. True. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, you like tofu. We like chicken. Cauliflower, we can... I feel like, is the new thing that vegetarians are <laughs> eating. So if you want a cauliflower steak, see? go see cauliflower our, steak. Go see our boys at Queens Bully in yes. Queens on Queens Boulevard. Very there close to Cuba. They're our friends. And I actually want to talk to them, and maybe we could do like a daytime children's brunch where we Adorable. do a live reading of the book. I think that will be pretty Adorable. dope. Adorable. Chicken every... and waffles. 
No, no, tofu nuggets. <laughs> oh, sorry, tofu nuggets. <laughs> that is a vegetarian too. Yeah. So um, before we get out of here, uh, I just wanted to ask you something. Mm. I read somewhere that you stated we need to create through books, music, and art. In in somewhere that you were you either stated it or read it, or wrote it rather. What does that mean exactly, and 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 why is that so important to you? We need to, sorry, I missed it. We need to create through books, music, and art. Yeah, so I think that what we, I think that this this world that we're gonna create for our kids, right? And I say we're gonna create because that's what we do. I think that the way that we sort of pass along where we come from and where our parents come from and where they're going, and I think the way that we tie those things together is through books and music and art. I think you can tell them all the stories you want and you can you can try every which way to impart this kind of knowledge, but I think they have to feel it. They have to feel it in their soul and that's how they're gonna feel it. And I think that if we give them an experience like that, a cultural experience, a real one, through books, through music and through art, that it won't feel like their parents' culture or their grandparents' culture, it will feel like theirs. I love that. Me too. Ladies and gentlemen, bars. Bars upon bars. Bars upon bars from Rocky Merchandani, a friend of the show, a friend of ours. Um, I'm sure we're going to see Super Satya Saves the Day Part 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 so real soon. Uh, we are avid supporters of you. We're going to continue to support you. We're going to continue to push it. And we're going to let everybody know about the book. Juicy, how many copies are you going to buy? At least 10 for all my nieces and nephews. 23 for me. Okay. We have 23 copies. Everyone in the studio yeah. is going to buy a copy. Taking, it's like an auction. <laughs> no, we're taking, we're, take, we're, we're, taking, we're taking, we're taking. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. You love we'll it. do Thank a parenting you. show for the next season. Yeah, we'll it. definitely do that. Butter parenting. Butter parenting. Um, <laughs> Rocky, tell us where people can find you and uh, get to know more about you. Do you have a website? Do you have social media? Where, I do. You where can, can the people me. get you? You can find me on Instagram at Rockstar, R-A-A-K-S-T-A-R. That's where you can find me on Twitter too. Um, actually, I'm on Instagram, Rockstar Writes. God, R A A K S T A R Writes. That's also my website. I'm pretty easy to find, and you can Google Super Satya Saves the Day. You can find her on Amazon. You can find her at your local bookstore. And if she's not at your local bookstore, ask for her. We are gonna put make sure Satya is everywhere. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Butter Chicken Podcast. It's your boy, DJ Sharad. And DJ Juicy. You can find us at Butter Chicken Podcast on all podcasting platforms. Make sure to rate, subscribe, like. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. And guess what, Juicy? Tell me. We're in a new place. Where? Hubhopper. Wow. Have you heard of that? I have. Hubhopper is India's leading platform for podcasting. Did you know that? I did. And they are blue checked. They're blue checked. <laughs> and, and they are our friends. Okay. They're pushing us out there in the motherland. Hub Hopper, thank you so much. Salute, Hub Hopper. Our listeners, our friends, our fan base, everyone that supports us, we thank you so much for tuning in week after week after week. This is the Butter Chicken Podcast with the Butter Chicken Boys and the Butter Tofu Girl, <laughs> DJ Sharad, Rocky Mirchandani, DJ Juicy. That's it. Blah, blah. We'll see you next week. Peace and love Thanks and Butter in. Chicken. Thank you.